this is really hard for me to use because I use both of my hands to preach. So, so I'm going to have to get stuck with this thing right here. Anyway, so I think those are the, the, the two big ones. Next week we have some visiting guests from Mexico the, where Robert McDonald does, does his ministry in San Ignacio and San Rosalia, Mexico. They're going to come up. They're going to be picking up our van. You know, when we got the van, we put a couple thousand dollars into it. We didn't get the use out of it. So, so they're going to come up there. We're going to kind of split the cost. They're going to give us a, about a thousand dollars for it, but we're going to bless them. And, and some of you have been saving up some things uh, to, to donate. They are limited on their space. So if you have things you want to donate from Mexico and Sa- San Ignacio, t- call Robert McDonald and he'll let you know what, what they need and what things that they can take because they don't have a ton of space. But so we're going to hear from them in, uh, a little bit in the service. And then I'll be continuing also next week in the in First Peter. We're gonna receive an offering in in just a moment here, and um, I'm really excited about what's going on in the church. I don't know if you've looked around. We're growing. We are growing. Things are happening. We have a ton of kids next door. Uh, this year we were very uh, blessed and honored to be able to send a whole bunch of our kids to to camp. Thanks to a wonderful donation, we sent 14 of our kids to camp. And in a small church like this, to say 14 of our kids means we have more. We're running about 22 kids next door on Sunday mornings, which is just amazing. All of them have come from just a couple people who started coming and inviting their friends. And we're just good. You know, in fact, we grew by three more kids today. And, and so it's really exciting. Amen? You know, the... The kids are, our kids are the, the future of, of our church and, and the future of, you know, Christianity. The Bible says to raise up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. And so we're, we want to, as a church, you know, help you as parents to, to form your kids and raise them up in God and help them to come and find Christ at a young age. So things are happening. That's all happening. And, and we're needing to expand. And so as we give into the offering, we're, we're helping to, to fund uh, kids ministry by the way i'm gonna you know semi apologies they're doing a fun day today so it could get loud they're gonna be outside they're doing all this stuff and they're probably having snacks which with kids usually is spelled s-u-g-a-r and so you know but the sugar won't take effect until about eleven fifteen, right when you take them home so praise god for that anyways but that's i mean we're excited and so when we give them the offering we're, we're able to do things like you know go ahead and and, and lose some money on a van to bless a ministry to we're going to be sending brian back to the mission field this year he's going to be going for uh two months to honduras in september uh and then likely we'll be going back full time uh within the next six months and so as we give him the offering we're sending people to the missions we're working with kids we're designing plans to expand the building you know that's a little cat out of the bag but we're looking at ways because, you know, you know, we get to about this full and we already start feeling too full. So we're going to push this wall out and by faith about 50 feet and really expand. We may have to do it in two sections because of code stuff, but we're going to go 50 feet out and have a really great place to, to do, uh, you know, to do ministry, to bring people in because we want to preach the gospel to every living creature. 
We want to we wanna help people on their journeys of faith to find Christ. You know, we, we are a welcoming place. One of the things people always say is they feel loved when they come here and, and, and accept it. But as people come and feel loved, we also want them to find Jesus and know the love of Jesus and to be set free. When we give into the offering, it's all about the things that we're doing in ministry here. So you're sowing in good seed. And so, you know, I've been working this 3D uh, architectural program this week drawing up the new building there's probably people who are more qualified than me to do it but i'm having a blast every time i draw a wall i go god we're gonna need money for that wall and so we're by faith yeah we're not gonna do anything yet we're but i mean we're like okay god you know bring it in because not so we can have a big building but because right now if every church in big bear which is about 30 of them were full to capacity on a sunday morning we would have about 5% of the population of Big Bear in church. That's all. We need more space if we're going to see salvation. It's just kind of a simple thing, right? So we're going to grow. We're going to get a little bit because we're going we're to preach the gospel. So as the ushers come, let's pray in faith that God will bless uh, this ministry and continue to expand it. Amen? Amen? Amen. Got your faith on? If not, put it on. Here we go. Heavenly Father, by faith, we want to reach this community for you. We want to make a difference in this place. God, as we're receiving an offering, God, we want to sow into good places to expand the kingdom of God right here in Big Bear as well as all the places we're connected throughout the world. God, bless this offering. Bless the givers. God, as we, as we give, we want to serve you, Father. We want to give our finances. We want to give our whole life to you. Lord, we just thank you and we give you praise for the, the work that you're doing here and that you want to continue to do in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You know, I was realizing that this building here that we're sitting in today, we had our first service in 1989. That's almost 30 years ago. And I thought, it's, it's about time then to, to, to grow a little bit. And that first Sunday that we were in here, who was anyone here besides me that it was master's commission sunday in 1989 wow i guess i'm old and all alone it was packed the first sunday we didn't even have carpet it was still concrete and i mean there was still construction happening i mean it was not even done but we met in here and there were people in the hallway and we went i i, I don't know what the, the the leadership pastor did at that point but i'm like i think we built too small you know, the first Sunday when it's already full. Anyway, so I get excited. 30 years later, we're going we're gonna to do a little ex- expanding and, and keep reaching Big Bear for Jesus. And I tell you, Big Bear needs Jesus. Big Bear needs Jesus. The world needs Jesus. And they need a clear gospel presentation. And we're living in a world where there's not a lot of clear gospel presentations, even in the churches. The churches are feeling pressure to change the truth of the Word of God, and we never want to change the truth of the Word of God. The way we do things, we can change. You know, years and years and years ago, we met differently. Um, you know, those are just styles and things, but we never change the truth of the Word. So we're going to continue to preach the gospel. I'm kind of scanning. Is Missy here this morning? Missy? Okay, she, she had a, a, we've been praying for Missy, and she asked if she could share a little bit this morning, and she was just going to thank everyone for, for praying for her, and, and um, she'll be back in service soon. She's had a lot of health issues, but, so, you know, that's a great thing when you see somebody who's not here, or I guess you wouldn't see them when they're not here. If you don't see somebody because they're not here, pray for them, and, and if you don't see somebody for a couple of weeks, 
reach out to them. You know, give them a call. Just say, hey, how's everything going? We don't want to say, you, you miss church. You're bad. That's not it. But it's like, hey, I, I hope you're on vacation having a great time, and I hope it's not because something's happened in your life that's keeping you away from fellowship. Amen. If, if you have Facebook, I encourage you to find Big Bear Christian Center, the group page, uh, ask to be added to the group page. We use that for prayer requests. I, um, last night I put out prayers for a lot of people, including Donna. I actually didn't pray for John. I prayed for Donna, a whole bunch of people. But it's a great way to find out what's happening in the church, events, prayer requests. You can ask for prayer, things like that. We, you know, we don't want to turn it into a Big Bear stuff for sale. But it is for, it's a church page to... to <laughs> To, uh, to work within the church, to pray for people and get announcements out within the church. Amen. Hey, let's go to the Word. If you have your Bible, that's your Bible. By the end of this series, 1 Peter will fall out. It'll just, just fall to the ground because you'll be there for so long. We're in 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. I told you at the beginning, some weeks we would just go a little ways and then some longer. Today, we're, we're not going to get very far. We're going to start in verse 13, still in chapter 1, 1 Peter. I'm going to read it in a couple of versions. I'm going to read it in the King, New King James um, because I like the, this phrasing here. And then we're going to explain what the phrasing means and read it in another verse. It says this, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves through the time of your stay here in fear. Amen. I'm going to read to you out of another version. It says this, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed in his coming. As obedient children, don't conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Do you remember that? That's right. I remember living in ignorance. Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, Be holy because I am holy. This morning we're going to talk um, about some big subjects. We're going to talk about uh, our, our character a little bit and our nature. We're going to talk about um, a word that, that's a little scary and uh, sadly isn't preached a lot in churches, and that's the word holy and holiness. We sometimes just try to steer all the way away from that word because we're afraid that people are going to feel unwelcomed. It's going to reveal sins. Even Christians I've talked to don't like to talk about holiness because it might turn somebody off to Jesus. And so we're going to talk about, we're going to address being holy this morning. We're going to talk about character. We're going to talk about um, this, this very first part that another version, it's where it says it in the New King James, which if you've ever read that, I'm sure that you went, gird up the loins of your mind. It's just a weird saying. Now, if you've been in church since a little kid, you heard that in the King James, and it just became part of your vocabulary. If you've been around for a while, it's like, yeah, gird up the loins of your mind. You know, a couple weeks ago, I was at work, and I told somebody, gird up the loins of your mind. (laughs) Right? I mean, we've never said that in any other context 
at all, you know? And, and so what are we talking about? That's why sometimes it's good to go to another translation and go, what is he talking about? And, and really, the reason they use that is because the Greek word talks about, talks about the reproductive side of the mind. So that's why it talks about the loins of the mind. And the girding up is like to strengthen, but it's the picture of this. Do you remember when, um, when the prophet uh, Elijah had to run ahead of the chariot? and he beat the chariot, it actually used, it, it, was, it was a different language, but it wasn't the Greek, but it used this picture where the, the, the people would pick up their robes and pull them up to their waist, and they would tie their belt around so that their robe was higher, hiked up. Have you ever tried to run in a bathrobe? You know, not, not real easy. So what they do, they actually would pick up their robe and get it like above their knees, and they would tie it off so that they could run so that they could fight, so they could be ready for action. And that's, what, that's, what, that's what Elijah did. He, he picked up his robe, and so, so we're using the same picture right here, and he's saying, gird up the loins of your mind, and, and you think, wow, that reproductive part of our brain, which our brains are amazing. It brings life. It brings all of these things. And so we're going to gird up the loins of our mind. We're going to actually be prepared. That's why this other version, some, some versions say, prepare your minds for action. So you get the picture of, okay, action is coming. We're going we're gonna to lift up our robes. I, I, uh, I studied karate. I, I did karate for about three years when I was in my 20s. And my sensei, who was uh, an American guy, um, which was good because we didn't do all the Eastern mysticism, he taught me um, to never fold our arms like, like what Claude's doing here. Cause I did, and I, I, I watched him, and he always had his arms kind of like this. It looked casual, but you know, he was always ready, always. This guy, you know, he actually became a Christian. He used to get in a lot of bar fights, and so he was always ready. He wouldn't tuck his arms because they might get stuck if you need to get into action. I'm sure Jason could help us with a lot of instances <laughs> where you're ready. He's an, he's an officer and, and, uh, of being ready. You know, they don't walk up to, their car, to a car when they're doing a car stop with their hands in their pocket and walk up. They come up very alert, and ready, right? Picture some things that you're, you're ready. You know, if, if you're, you're the catcher on the baseball team, you're not looking around with your glove down because that ball's going to be coming at you at 90 miles an hour. You're alert. You're ready for action. This is what the Bible is telling each and every one of us to do. Be alert, ready for action. And then it says sober. Another thing, another possible definition of that would be self-controlled, right thinking. You know, when you're, when you're sober, you have good thinking. You know, maybe in your past, you, you went out and had too many drinks, and you said something like this the next day, boy, I wouldn't normally do that. You ever, you ever said that one? You don't have to admit that. Ah, I wouldn't normally do that. Guess what? You weren't sober. Oh, I wasn't drunk. I didn't say you were drunk. I said you weren't sober. You weren't totally in your right mind. You weren't self-controlled at that point. You're now giving in to something. And the Bible actually tells us, and it's just not talking about not drinking or not being uh, drinking in excess. It's actually saying that our mind should always be alert, ready, self-controlled in our right thinking. And, and so this is the very first part of this first Peter. And boy, we could just spend so much time on this. But, but the command to us, the encouragement is to be ready. Now, what are we going to be ready for? The Bible says to be ready to give an answer for anyone who asks you for the hope that you have in Christ Jesus. That's a, that's a really big, 
a request that, that God makes of us. Be ready to give an answer for anybody who asks you for the reason of your hope. Somebody comes to you and says, you know, I notice you just, you're, you're different and you've been going to church and you're nicer and all these things are happening and hey, what, what's happened to you? Uh, 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 well, um, I found this, this place and somebody invited me and, and right, is that kind of what we say? Some of you can't get much farther than that. It's church. I just, I'm going to church now. Is that the reason you have hope? Because you're going to church? There's actually a reason you have hope, and it's that Jesus set you free. It's that something changed in your life. So we're actually called to, to be thinking ahead of time, be ready for that possibility. Now, sometimes I've talked with a number of people, and when they, it kind of comes time to maybe go to the family Thanksgiving, I've had people over the years come to me and say, Pastor, I'm going to Thanksgiving dinner with the family. And you don't know my family. And then they start telling me about the family, right? You know, and, and they, you know, I got the atheist this, and I got the drunk this, and I got the whatever this. And, and they're like, and we always have conversations. And, and, you know, what do I tell them? You know what I love? They're preparing their mind for action. They're preparing their mind for action. They're thinking ahead of time. Wait a second. What happens when somebody asks me of why I'm a Christian and why I have hope? What, what, what happens in that situation? If, and so we need to be always thinking about how would I respond? Now, it became really, really common, uh, and we lost a lot of the, the reason behind it. But remember the bracelet? What would Jesus do? A lot of people think it stood for we want jelly donuts. What would Jesus do? That was actually taken from a book um, called In His Steps. I encourage you to read the book. It's an old book by uh, Charles Sheldon, I believe. A whole town goes through this process of asking, what would Jesus do? Like, so people start really asking, wow, what would Jesus do? And some of the people, they changed their businesses and everything. They started asking and answering the question, what would Jesus do? Well, what would Jesus say? What would Jesus do? If we begin to ask these questions ahead of time, when we wake up, say, what would Jesus do today? You know, how would he approach life? How would he do things? What would he say? God, what would you have me say? What would you have me do? We're going to be able to prepare our minds and prepare ahead of time to, to do that. Now, Jesus doesn't, unfortunately, always say, I want you to drive down the street, <laughs> go to the blue house. And we don't always hear a clear thing from God of what he wants us to do. We, we feel things in our heart. We feel conviction. So how else are we going to hear from Jesus? Well, if we want to be ready for action, we need to be people of the Word. People who spend time in the Word of God because His Word is how He speaks to us. The Bible says in John 17, 17, that it was Jesus talking, He was praying to God, and He says, Sanctify us, the people, by your truth. And sanctify means to set apart. To set apart. Your Word is truth. So if we want to be ready for action, we need to know the truth, and the truth is in the Bible. It is the Bible. And Jesus himself is also the truth. Jesus said he's the, he's the way, the truth, and the life. So we need to be people who love the Word. Psalm 119, if you want to know about the Word, read Psalm 119. The whole thing is about David declaring his love and his need for the law, for the Word of God. One of my first memory verses, uh, one of my earlier memory verses was Psalm 119. It says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. 
I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. So part of the way that we're ready to take action and, and ready for even temptation to come is that we have to be people in the word of God. We, we bathe ourselves, we read it, we ask questions about it, and we grow in understanding of the word. And I tell you, the more we spend in the word, we'll be ready to, to answer people when they're asking, hey, what's going on? We'll be ready when they ask us to run off and do things that maybe God wouldn't have us do because the word becomes part of our lives. It's one of the ways we're going to become sober-minded and ready for action is through that word of God. Let's go on. Let's keep reading in 1 Peter. Now remember, this is, you know, the little school part here is whenever you see a therefore, when you're reading, you've got to go back and read the beginning part. And so we, we've, we've been studying First Peter, so we know that what, what, what this was there for, he was talking about setting our hope and affection on, on heaven, understanding that was where we wanted to live. So we're going to gird up the loins of our mind, be sober. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Publisher's Clearinghouse would be awesome to win. Can I get an Amen. amen. <laughs> You know, sometimes I, I, I'll ask if Shannon goes to the mailbox and it says, was Ed McMahon in there? <laughs> and that's for some of you older people. You know, you, you, you know so we, we get these like, you know, we all have these hopes, but we're not supposed to set our hopes on things like that. You know, is it wrong to enter the sweepstakes? You know, as long as you're not buying too many frivolous magazines because you've got to buy all those things anyways. Just, but we don't set our hope in that. People go to college, they get their bachelor's, they get a master's, they get a career. We can't rest our hope fully in our careers. A lot of people, many of us are married, we, people get married. We can't rest our hope fully in our spouse. You know, I, I, you know, I remember I, I wanted to get married like, like nobody's business when I was young. And, and I just was, couldn't wait and God finally brought me a, an amazing woman of God to to be married to and there was a long time I put way too much hope in being married some of you might relate might remember that it's like wow you know then you get a few years in you're like okay that didn't quite deliver the way I thought it would you know and it's not a slam I mean Shannon would totally say the same thing about me in fact she we we joke around this all the time she she never wanted to marry a pastor you know, I wasn't a pastor when we got married. You know, I was a Christian, and she wanted, she wanted to be married to a Christian, somebody who loved ministry. And so we get a little ways into our marriage, and her hopes of, of me, we're like, well, this isn't everything I hoped for. If we put too much hope into a spouse or our children, you start having kids. I love my kids. I mean, I talk about them all the time. I have three wonderful children. You guess which one isn't. No, I'm <laughs> In case you don't know me, I have four. No, I have four <laughs> wonderful kids. I love my kids. <laughs> I, I, I love my kids. If I put all of my hope in my kids, that's too much pressure on my kids to, to, to be something that I need them to be. See, in life, we can't put all of our hope into anything. And, and Peter's reminding us here, we put our hope fully in the grace that is to be revealed 
when he comes. So we don't even put our hope fully in all the blessings and all the grace that we receive here on earth. And, and this, you know, when I f- f- first realized this in my Christian walk, it was wonderfully transforming because of this. Sometimes we come to Christ and we think he's going to fix everything. He's the great band-aid that's going to cause everything on this earth to go really good for us. And then we wake up and we realize that we still have problems in our life, that we still have addictions, that we still have struggles, that maybe if you got saved after you were married, your spouse didn't automatically become some, you know, angel because you accepted Jesus Christ. Our hope can't even be in the things that we walk on this earth with because the Bible actually promises tribulation and trials. And so, so Peter is telling us, rightfully, our hope is fully rested on the grace that will be revealed when Jesus Christ comes. That gives us something to shoot for because sometimes the chips are down and life is hard. But we say, you know what? This world is not my home. Have you heard that? This world is not my home. It's not your home. This is not all there is. Thank God for that. So we put our hope fully on the grace that will finally be revealed when we get to heaven. Does that mean that we don't have hope on this earth, that we don't have, have a joy on this earth? Absolutely not. But we're careful to say, listen, ultimately, I'm waiting for the prize. And until I get there, I'm going to keep running. I'm going to keep running. I'm going to keep going. We, we, we're, in the, we're in the big test down here. We're in the big training for the... And it's, it, Paul says, I finished the race. I've completed the task that you sent for me. So, so Peter is reminding us that, that we need to set our hope fully on the grace that will be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage us this morning too as, as, we, as we're going through. Let's be people who are, are preparing our minds for action. We're ready. We've we're, we're got right thinking. We, we, we're ready to give an answer. We're spending time in the Word. We're spending time with Jesus. And then it says, verse 14, As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance. As obedient children. We need to live as, as children in this world. We need to live as uh, children who would be conformed to God. And are transformed by God and not conforming ourselves to the former lusts. And it says, that verse 15, He who called you is holy, also be holy in all your conduct. And I think this just touches so many things. Holiness. What is holiness? You know, I don't know what you think of when you think of holy, but obviously God is holy. But I don't look at myself as very holy. You know, I don't naturally wake up in the morning or when I pass by a mirror, look over at the mirror and say, that is one holy guy. <laughs> right? Do you relate? So, so yet he's saying, and Leviticus told us this, and First Peter's telling us, be holy. And we think, okay, I'm going to try really, really hard to be holy. And when I, you know, I never tried to be holy. I have, you know, do, do set out to go, I'm just going to really try to be holy. It didn't work. You get a little ways down the road and you, fall yourself, you, you, you find yourself failing and falling once again. 
you, you, just in the middle of the day, you have this thought, this despicable thought that comes into your mind that you didn't tell anyone you had because you're too embarrassed to even say that you even had the thought. And you think, I'm supposed to be holy. Where did that thought come from? You know, I'm not very holy, yet the Bible says to be holy. See, you can't put on holiness. We have to understand as Christians, it's not a, a list of do's and don'ts that makes us holy. We're holy because we've accepted Jesus Christ who actually makes us holy from the inside. And that's huge right there. We could spend weeks talking about understanding how that works. When Jesus Christ paid the penalty, when he died for our sins, he died for our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins. He took them all away. He, uh, remember when he, when he died, the, the curtain was torn in two in the, in the veil. No longer were we separated from God. We became able to go right into the presence of God. I am so glad I did not live before the time of Jesus. I would have to wait and sacrifice all these things and wait for the high priest to go in there into the, into the Holy of Holies for me and make a sacrifice for me. He, they used to tie bells on his robe. On the priest's robe, they tied little bells on his robe. They tied a rope around him. He went into the Holy of Holies, and if he had sin in his life, he would drop dead, but they couldn't go in and get him because he was in the Holy of Holies in the place that was forbidden for man to go. Only the high priest once a year went into there, and he offered a sacrifice, and if he dropped dead, they had to pull him out of the Holy of Holies because he wasn't holy. <laughs> I would never volunteer to go into the temple. I mean, into the Holy of Holies. I just wouldn't make it. But when Jesus came and that, that tent, the, the curtain was torn in two from the top to the bottom, it was about 30 feet tall, and it was a few inches thick, from the top to the bottom, that signified that we were no longer separated from the presence of God. But only holy things can go into the presence of God still. Only holy things can go in the presence, but the curtain doesn't separate me. What happened? Jesus' death opened the curtain, but only if I apply it. See, not everyone can go to God. They, they can pray, but not everyone can have relationship with God. They're not holy until they receive Jesus' sacrifice for their sin. Forgive me of my sin. And here's what, I, what the, there's a word we use in the church called imputed righteousness. And that means that Jesus gives us his righteousness. Kind of like, like when, as he stands in front of us almost, and when God looks at us, he doesn't see us, he sees Jesus. He sees Jesus' holiness and his righteousness. And that is ours forever. It's always ours. We are holy because of what Jesus did for us. And so when it's talking about be holy as I am holy, the first thing to understand is that it's inside. It's what Jesus Christ did on the inside. And I've talked to some of you, and I know my story. Some of you, when you came to Christ, something changed so much. And it, so for some, it was like this. A weight was lifted from my shoulders. And I can't explain it. 
That was the weight of guilt and sin and shame on your life that Jesus took away forever. You're holy. You are holy. So we go, well, are we done? No. Now here's the rest of the part because he says, well, be holy. So what really what he's saying is let the holiness that's inside of you, the life of Christ that's living inside of you, the, the forgiveness come out and let your acts be holy because the inside of you is holy. Does that make sense? Am I explaining that okay? It's such a deep, a deep thing. We can't put on holiness, but yet we're supposed to let the life of Christ live through us so that we live in a holy manner. See, we're not supposed to be those who, who receive Christ and then live like the world and continue to live in sin. And, and there's, there's lists, and, you know, this is where people always go, you don't, don't talk about the lists and, because you're going to turn some people off, and it's true. But we go to 1 Thessalonians 4 and talk about how God wants us to live. In a number of the places, and I want to p- point out, a number of the places when it talks about how we should live, it uses the same word. And, and it talks, it always talks about sexual immorality. But in, in 1 Thessalonians 4, and it alludes to it here in Peter 2, it talks about learning to control your own body. Be self-controlled. Self-controlled. Anyone have any kids? You know, we're going over to the Aunt Martha's house or wherever you're going and you know they're going to have the buffet and they're going to have that great dessert and you tell your kids, listen, have some self-control. Have some self-control when you go to the buffet today. You know, Zach, when he was a little kid, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know this, but when Zach was little, he loved dessert more than anything in the world. You know, and now he's all healthy and he hardly ever eats dessert and stuff. But when he was young, he would just mack out on dessert and strawberry, sh- wasn't that strawberry shortcake? He would go to the church potluck and the, the adults were scared. <laughs> he got a reputation for like eating all the desserts because he would just, you know, I remember Pastor Jeff going, wow. You know, he said, Zach, have some self-control. He's learned a lot of self-control in his life. But right, self-control, it's really hard to have self-control. If you've got your Bible, go with Galatians. Go to Galatians with me. See, in a small church, I always say, you know, if you're late, I'd probably do it in a big church too. Who's ever had a problem with self-control? You know, I mean, I'm, right? Okay. That's amazing. There's only so, so few of us who've had a problem with self-control in this room. <laughs> the rest of you, you know why you didn't raise your hand? Because you have self-control not to. Right? <laughs> self-control. You know, you, in almost everyone's li- life, even people who are self-controlled, there's an area where they go, you know, I just have a hard time in this one area. Right? That's the self-control. Bible yet tells us over and over and over again to be self-controlled. So how do we do this? We've got to understand where it comes from. Galatians 5. We know this. Many of you have this on your wall at your house. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Self-control for the Christian is not about self. It's actually the opposite. It's about spirit. It's the Spirit of God that lives inside of us 
that allows us to have self-control. In order to fulfill this, we have to be spirit-led, spirit-filled people in order to even exercise self-control. So we have to spend that time with God. We have to ask Him, fill us, with, fill us with your spirit. We have to do things so that we don't quench the spirit of God. You know, sometimes we live our life and we do things that, that um, make us feel separated from God. You know, maybe it's a sin, maybe it's whatever, it's, a, it's something going on in your life and you go, you know, I just don't feel real close to Him right now. Well, when, when we're not feeling real close to God, we're, we're not really full of the spirit and we're not going to have really the fruit of the Spirit. So we need to, to be focusing on the Lord and spending time with Him and let the Spirit of God live inside of us in such a way that these things come. Jessie's been talking about the fruit of the Spirit with the youth group. One of the things that she pointed out to them and, and is that the fruit of the Spirit is singular. It's not plural. Some people like to pick out a couple fruits that they like and go, I'm going to work on these, but I'm not going to do the others. <laughs> the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You know, I, I, I can be joyful. I, I, I love and peace, but I don't like to be gentle. The fruit of the Spirit is a singular thing. It's this is the fruit that will come from your life if you have the Spirit. So that's the call for us today. Is that we want to we have the Spirit of God inside of us so much that these things begin to happen more and more and more. We lived in, we lived in Oakdale, um, which is, you know, amazing agricultural comfort, uh, area up there. They have, you know, they have, in our own yard, we, we had a rental house and we had, we had plums and lemons, cherries. Yeah, dates. Yeah, dates. Just in our little tiny yard. They grew everything up there. And at nighttime, at nighttime, you could go out into the orchards, and they had all types of orchards, and you could get real quiet and listen. And you could hear the trees grunting. <laughs> and in the morning, they'd just pop out a fruit. Right? You ever hear the trees don't grunt to grow fruit? How do they grow fruit? Well, they're planted in a good place. You want something to have you want to have good soil. You want to have water. You want to have all the right elements that cause things to grow. Where are you planted? What kind of liquids are giving you life? You know, you got to be careful, you know, you, you could say, are you getting enough sun? <laughs> Am I? If we are planted well and receiving the water, we're going to bear fruit. It's just going to happen. You don't have to try. You're going to, it's just going to happen in and through your life because the Spirit of God is inside of us. And so... So as we're to, in order to prepare our minds for action, in order to be holy and have character and self-control, so much of it is resting upon being full of the Spirit, which isn't something you ask for. It's something you allow to happen inside of you. Let God live His life in and through us. Romans 12 says, Don't conform any longer to the pattern of the world, 
You know, we, we always have these pressures on us to conform, and you had them ever since you were a little kid. You know, even back in kindergarten, if you were different, the kids made fun of you. You know, and, and, and now it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's gotten worse for kids. I mean, I don't really remember when I was in third grade caring too much about what I wore to school, my clothes. But third graders today, they have to wear the right clothes. If, you, if you've got young kids or grandkids, you know this is true. And you're like, are you serious? And they'll say things like, oh, I, I've got to have these shoes and these pants and these are the only things that are cool. Pressure to conform. It's been on us forever and it always will. We have pressure on us to act a certain way at the church. We have a pressure on us to act a certain way at work. Maybe to wear certain things, to do certain things. Don't conform to the lusts. Don't conform to the past. Don't conform to the patterns of the world. But Romans says this. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let God's word speak to us. Renew our mind. And I tell you, we have stinking thinking. We have to relearn so much. We have to learn so much of what, what has been uh, pressed upon us. And that's what conforming does. I mean, it's, you know, it just presses on you until you're conformed. The more I depend on him, the more I'm going to find holy things. The more time I spend with him, the more my thoughts are going to be about the things that he wants me to do. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be ready for action. We're going to be holy in how we live, but in how we think. You can't be holy in how you live until you're holy in how you think. It's, just, it's, it's not going to happen. You're gonna, it's going to be fake. It's going to be partial. But when we allow God to transform our mind and transform our thinking and, and bathe ourselves in the word, we'll begin to find that we actually, our desires will begin to change. But as long as we're on this earth, we'll always come up with an unholy desire out of nowhere. So we thank God for his, his, his grace in our life. Okay. Back to First Peter. We'll go a little bit further here. So I just want to hit one more thing. We may even so we want to be like obedient children, not conforming. We want to be holy from the inside out. And then in verse 17, I'm going to pick out that one part. It says, conduct yourselves in reverent fear. Reverent fear. We go. And, and, and I want us to have the, this right understanding of God. We don't want to walk away from here going, oh, you just got to follow the laws and follow the rules again. That's, that's exactly the opposite. But there is such thing as a fear of God and a reverent fear of God. But there's also a lot of bad fears of God too. You know, we have to understand what reverent fear is, what God wants to have. If you have a fear of God that drives you away from God, that's not a reverent fear. That's an abused fear. You were abused. You've been, something's happened to you. You're running away from God. If you've got a fear of God that makes you angry at him, that's not a reverent fear either. And we have different types of fears. There's a lot of people who are struggling with the fear that they have. And um, I think a, a wonderful understanding, we can only take it so far, with a reverent fear would, would be a, electricity. If I were to, to give you a, a whole bunch of, of wires, electrical wires in a, in a spool, and hand them to you, you would just go, okay, no, you want me to hold these for a second? 
If I gave you the end of a cable that you didn't see the other end with bare wires out, and I said, would you hold this? You'd, some of you wouldn't even touch it. But you probably wouldn't grab the metal end at all the exposed wires. You'd probably go, oh, okay. And, you know, you grab it and you'd, right? Let, let, we're going to take a real quick survey. Who has electricity in their house? Okay, just want to make sure. I think we all do. All right, okay. Who relates with that picture of going, yeah, if you give me a cable with bare wires and you don't see the other end, I'm going to be very careful of that. So you hate it? You hate electricity? No. You have a reverent fear of electricity. You respect it. But you also know there's a power behind that electricity that you don't want to mess around with. Right? We get that. No, we can't go too far in any analogy, but that's that a similar fear of God. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I work with electri- electrical stuff, and I'm stupid. Sometimes I'll even wire up the, the plugs when there's power on them still. <laughs> Anyone who's, who's who, you, you, you know how to do it. But I'm very, very, very careful. I even wrap my screwdriver with, a, with electrical tape all the way down to the end so there's no metal showing. Why? I have a reverent fear because I know if I handle this wrong, bad stuff ain't going to happen to me. <laughs> I'm not going to feel good. Do we have that kind of a, a understanding and a fear of God? Hey, you know what, God? I love you. I'm so grateful for all the things you've done in my life, but I'm not going to take you for granted. And I'm not going to play with you and your power. Reverent fear. Conduct yourself with reverent fear. The, young, the, the younger generations, and it's been this way for a few generations, they're becoming less and less respectable and reverent towards anything. And you, you, could, you, all of us can remember that even in your own generation, it was beginning to happen because it's been happening that long. And it's, it's worse. It's happening to God. People don't respect God. It used to be that people wouldn't rob from churches. Remember that? You know, there was a, you don't rob from a church. That's, that doesn't work anymore. How are we? Are we conforming and, and not having any respect anymore? Any reverence for anything? Are we conforming to what's still happening in the world? Or can we still, God, I don't want to conform to that. I want to have a reverent fear. I want to, want to recap some of these things real quick. But let's be people that strengthen our thinking and are prepared for action. Let's be people who think rightly, who are ready to give an answer for our, the reason that we live, that are ready to, to live like Jesus in every situation. Let's make sure our hope is always fully on God's grace that's coming, that, that heaven is still coming and we'll finally receive all the grace when he returns. But in this world, we're not going to put our f- hope fully on anything in this world, not our wives, husbands, kids, work, publishers clearing house. We're going we're gonna to live as obedient children. Boy, that's gone out the window in this culture. Obedient children. We don't even want them, to, we don't even want to tell them to be obedient. We feel bad. 
Let's be obedient children. Let's not conform ourselves to our former lusts, as in our ignorance. Let's not conform ourselves to the pattern of the world any longer. But God is holy. Let's be holy. Let's let his holiness live inside us. Let's live so close to him that 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 holiness, that the Spirit of God begins to bring the fruit of the Spirit outside of us and conduct ourselves. I love this, this word. Conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here. <laughs> I used to work at a hotel. How, how long will you be staying? Three nights? Okay. It's a good question when you're checking somebody into the room in case they think that they're staying for seven and the room's booked in three days. That happened. You are, how long are you staying here? That's really a, a question for somebody who's not staying forever. You ever go to somebody's house to visit and they ask you, so, how long are you staying? <laughs> because I want you to know there is an end date to this little you know, freebie trip for you. Church, <laughs> let's conduct ourselves in reverent fear during our stay because it's not very long it's not forever hallelujah for that I am so thankful we'll stand let the blood move to other parts of the body and we're going to pray God we covered a lot of material in just three or four verses here we thank you for your word we thank you for the for the challenge we thank you for the reminder God that we are different. We're strangers here, as First Peter's been telling us. We don't belong here. We're different than the rest of the world. And that's an okay thing. Father, this morning we would pray that you would help us to really understand what you're calling us to be and to do. God, that you're calling us to, to be holy from the inside out. To have a relationship with you that, that is all the time and that it's transforming. It transforms the way we think, transforms our heart, and, and then transforms the way we actually live. God, we thank you that you did the work by sending Jesus to die for us because we can't do it on our own. So, Father, we, we purpose in our hearts to be ready for action, that our minds would be self-controlled, they would be alert, that they'd be washed in the water of the word and that our conduct in this place would be a, a conduct that comes out of reverent fear as we wait and hopefully in the revelation of Jesus Christ at the end of times. God, fill us all with your Holy Spirit and draw us to you each and every day. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.